Every U.S. military aviator is required to obtain some special training before actually going operational. In addition to flying training, we have to go through a series of courses that include survival, evasion, resistance, or POW training, and escape. The military uses the SERE, S-E-R-E acronym for these elements. Each is very essential in the military field of aviation, but specifically my POW training has served me well throughout my entire life since I was trained because it taught me how to effectively resist the enemy. And that is very important. Resistance training teaches you how to survive when the going gets really tough. Some of you, because of your, our wayward government, are living in very tough times. Some of you actually need some help. This is Unity Without Compromise on America Out Loud Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Steve Latulip. Today, I will reveal to you the immense power that resistance training can offer you as a true American patriot so that you can get off the fence and start actually thwarting the enemy of your freedom, your mind, and your soul. Years ago, I was blessed with a very great opportunity to participate in the most intimidating and truly scary training I have ever done. Right after earning my wings, off I went to that Siri training. It began with survival. And by that time, we had already completed water survival, doing the things that would be necessary if we ejected out of our aircraft over water. We somehow had to survive and we received great instruction. It was fun sitting out there in a raft for hours upon hours, experiencing what it's like to bake in the sun in the intense heat all alone with the sharks and whatever else might be out there in the deep open sea. And then eventually being rescued by a helicopter. The whole experience was so worthy because it told me what to expect under those circumstances. Once water survival was done, then we went on to the real good training. We got to experience a little wilderness survival. That's where you are divided into little groups and put out in the wilderness of Eastern Washington and you learn how to survive if you crash and eject out of your plane. You see, most people that even have survived actual crashes, be it civilians or otherwise, the people who die uh, after surviving a plane crash, believe it or not, actually die because of one primary reason, because of food aversions. And so we were taught to eat insects to trap mice and savor the good food that could keep you alive when you are starving. If you can get over your food aversions, you can just possibly make it, and the odds are much in your favor. 
Having a little mountain man blood coursing through my veins actually served me well. I thought that wilderness survival was actually a lot of fun. But then it began to heat up. Next came escape and evasion. To this day, the sound of a Huey helicopter hovering overhead causes me to alert, to become a little bit hypervigilant because I recall that time when we were actually out in the wilderness experiencing the threat of the enemy and if we were caught, yes, even in training, they could do things to you. And it was never pleasant. It was never comfortable. You certainly didn't want to get caught a second time if you were caught a first time. When they say, hey, you, under the tree, come out. We see you. We know who you are. You have no idea if they really see you. You have no idea what your next move would be or should be. And usually that means staying in one place. It means traveling at night or when your chance of being caught is minimized. Yes, escape and evasion was actually a very, very beneficial aspect of our training. Do you recall Captain Scott O'Grady, the United States Air Force F-16 pilot who was actually downed by an SA-6, that's a Soviet missile, he was downed over Serbia on June 2nd, 1995. Captain O'Grady actually successfully evaded Bosnian Serbs for six days before he was successfully extracted. Fortunately, he did live to tell the story. Every aviator hopes he never has to use this kind of training, but if he does, he is most thankful for the fact that he was trained. Well, escape and evasion was quite an experience, and if I needed it, I would have used those skills because it meant life or death. Well, then came the final part of our training, the one that we looked forward to the least, resistance training. Learning how to survive as a prisoner of war. Had Captain O'Grady not escaped, he may have been executed right there on the spot, or more likely than not, he would have been taken prisoner and used as collateral against the enemy. But whether or not a prisoner of war returns home alive depends totally on his ability to resist the enemy. Thankfully, I was never a prisoner of war, but I was trained because of the real possibility. It could have been me. As I describe what I have learned, I will avoid the training in detail. I'd like to speak with broad strokes of the brush and in limited terms, since that is very valuable training. Of course, it changes uh, from day to day as events in the world are updated. But the important thing is that we receive the training. 
there we were. I remember being told, okay, you have just ejected from your aircraft. You are in enemy territory. Now start walking down that path. And then the fun began. Let me say that the training was excellent. Why? How do I know that? Because training and reality become very blurred when the training is realistic. There were things that we were taught, taught in POW training that were very discomforting. And I was most surprised to see what they could actually throw at you. Things that the, quote, enemy found out about my personal life, for example, was shocking. I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't know they had access to information. Even in the training scenario, I was caught off guard. I didn't know how to respond to that. One thing is certain. You never know your true character limits until your life is threatened or until you become like a rat in a cage. Under those circumstances, be it training or real life, you suddenly feel extremely vulnerable. You don't know what to do, how to act, what to say, or how to resist. Have you ever had your own life threatened? I have a few times. There's an initial adrenaline rush, and then you force yourself to think, and then you act decisively and purposefully if you know what you're doing. But if you screw up, you're dead. And that's why resistance training is so valuable. You see, even in the training situation that I experienced at that time, some of my fellow aviators emotionally collapsed. They lost it. They actually forgot this was a training environment. By the time we were halfway through that training, it was easy for me to see who would actually make it in a real world situation and who wouldn't. When you're a POW, your freedoms are gone and your life is always under threat. But that's why the training is so valuable. It's not like you don't have any capability to influence the outcome. The elements of our training entailed some very serious things, such as fear and humiliation, deprivation, loneliness, propaganda, tutors of various sorts, threats to your own person, to your family, and to fellow prisoners. When you are confronted with these things, you are tested in a way that you could never possibly imagine. As I faced each one of these experiences, I realized that there were limits to what these trainers could do to us. They could not maim us. They could not take my life. And I have to be honest, that gave me some confidence and some boldness. But nonetheless, I knew why I was there and I sought 
to absorb everything that I could be taught. When the training scenarios were intervened for academic instruction, just briefly, a few seconds here, a moment there, I listened intently and learned the value of resistance. The training, when it was all done, caused us to feel very tired emotionally, physically, very drained. We were even deprived of little food, but why wouldn't we if we were prisoners? Yes, the training did conclude on a very dramatic note. At the moment that all was said and done and conclusive uh, statements were made by the trainers, many of the mock POWs were crying. Many had a whole new respect for what a military prisoner of war must endure and survive. How would you respond if you were taken captive? How are you responding now under the captivity of our Marxist leadership that is leading our country down the pathway to hell? Are you allowing yourself to be taken captive? What will you do when you are seriously threatened to submit? Right now, you're only being asked but if a direct life threat came upon you, what would you do? How would you react? How would you respond? If you are saying in your mind, I don't know, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to think about that. Then maybe you ought to prepare yourself for the worst because we are on that path. This may be America but talk to the old timers who lived as children under Hitler's rule. Ask them if it could happen again, even in America. I most certainly know it could. Right now, the United States of America is confronted with a new world order, and this is now reality. And the new world order is the enemy of America. It is everything that America opposes. And guess what? The Democrat party, party is full in on this. The fact cannot be overstated. We are under attack by an enemy within our own borders and within our own government. If you're in denial about that fact, there is no way that you can resist. Think about it already. Millions of Americans have already been taken captive and they willfully submit to the mantra of the cult of obedience and submission to a rogue government faction. If you've worn a mask, you have submitted. If you've gotten a vaccine under duress, or what is called a vaccine, you have caved, especially if you did not learn the facts about the risks of the vaccine, about the inefficacy, the inability to do what it, they claimed it would do. If you took a vaccine, you, in fact, are now at risk for potential 
complications that are yet to be revealed. I won't go into that today, but look up the word prion. You've heard about possible spreaders. That is, people who have received the vaccine are now causing others to be ill. If you blindly accept anything based on what you are told, just because they tell you it's good, you are subject to oppression and to being taken as a prisoner of war without even knowing it. Currently, we are being bombarded in this country with one attack after another against our God-given constitutional rights, and we just sit there and we take it. Now it's the COVID vaccine. What next? Did you know, by the way, that the Federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission recently has declared that businesses can require their employees to get the experimental, i.e. untested COVID vaccine, quote, without violating any federal laws? Did you know that? Will you challenge that? Is that a lie? Are you kidding me? Without violating any federal law? Yes, that most certainly is a lie. But will you comply? Will you submit to a COVID vaccine if your employer says that you will be terminated tomorrow if you do not take this so-called vaccine? Or will you resist? I guarantee you, compliance sometimes brings an immediate comfort, but not a long-lasting covenant. But resistance against evil always has a yield that endures for the rest of your life, so long as you resist. If there is one thing that this whole entire COVID pandemic and response has taught us is that propaganda turns many good people into pawns of the enemy. Propaganda makes you weak. It makes you vulnerable. It makes you submissive and it enslaves you. In effect, you have become a prisoner of war if you have yielded to this evil. Look at how many people have complied with senseless masking and shutdowns, even when a gun was never even pointed at their heads. What happens when the heat is turned up a bit? You have to recognize the fact that the enemy within America has already attacked your spirit. And with much success, I must confess, they have asked you to put on the shackles and you readily obeyed a good majority of you. And then you gave them the key. This is a sure pathway to hell. If we fail to resist evil, this domestic enemy, euphemistically called the Democrat Party, we will soon be overcome by the evil and they will stop asking for your submission. And before you know it, they will demand it and you won't have a choice. 
Well, you never know the true strength of your character until it is called upon by necessity. That is the lesson of military resistance training. A POW is a slave to his enemy, at least externally, and for a time. You either survive or you perish. Resisting the enemy, however, is crucial to survival and to the cause of freedom. In the heart, every POW is free as long as he resists. To resist is to be a true American patriot. However, many good American patriots have really yet to resist what they know is evil because the number one reason is of fear, because they lack courage. Living by fear is a most sure way of living a life that imprisons you for the rest of your life. Many good American patriots have, yes, have yet to resist because loyalty to a lesser God supersedes loyalty to the real God of our world and to our nation. Loyalty to a lesser God, such as a dissenting family member, such as work demands, such as your own personal safety, and above all, your comfort. You don't want to rock the boat because you enjoy the comforts that come with submission. I truthfully don't know how much of a factor is fear and this loyalty to a lesser God. I don't know to what extent it actually hinders people from resisting. I hope it's not as profound as it seems, but many good American patriots have yet to resist, I hope, simply because you don't know how to resist. But be certain of this, ignorance is not bliss, it is lethal. Perhaps it is time to learn the lessons that I learned. The question is, can resistance be taught? Can you be taught to put away your fears, your disloyalties, your lack of knowledge, your resolution to do the right thing at the right time for the right cause? Yes, I believe resistance can and should be taught. It must be taught. And resistance must be practiced regularly. Otherwise, your skills will never be honed. You will never be as good as you could be if you do not make resistance a part of your life. However, it must come from an inner motivation of the heart. If the heart is not right, if it is not inspired by a will to live first and foremost, and a will to live freely, then you are severely handicapped. I hope you'll join me. We're going to take a break right now, and I'll be back momentarily and share with you exactly how you can become the resistance.
COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, -E -L -L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back. This is Dr. Steve LaTulip on Unity Without Compromise with America Out Loud Talk Radio. Today I've been discussing lessons in resistance against a government gone bad. The power of resistance cannot be overstated. If you have any understanding of the POW experience, you know that this is one that no soldier ever wishes to claim his own. But every soldier must train for the worst. And that training always has high yields. Those most likely to be in harm's way must train for that possibility that he or she may be captured in war. But now, in our very own country, and in a very true sense, every American citizen has the same risk of being taken captive, and many have already surrendered, even though no weapons are pointed at their heads. The blind followers of Hitler were many, and the blind followers in the same way of the American Hitler wannabes are already much greater in number than Hitler's following, and that gravely concerns me. We were once declared the land of the free and the home of the brave, and now I question, is that still true? Many Americans are at best still bystanders, hoping that the pandemic will just blow over. But the pandemic is not really about a virus. It never has been, despite all the rhetoric, despite all the pseudoscience that you have been told, despite the actual threat of a real coronavirus strain that was apparently fabricated in the Wuhan lab. Because of all this, you submit out of fear, believing that everything that they tell you is for your safety, is for your good, when in fact, it's only about controlling you. It's about getting you to submit, and you have yet to resist this evil, the majority of you. This is a crime. This is the pathway to imprisonment, to POW-ship, if you will. 
it's high time you stop sitting on the bleachers and watching the deadly game. Every good American citizen must join the fight, otherwise America perishes. And just as aviators have been taught to resist, so I believe you can be taught how to resist all enemies of America, especially those within our borders, because there is the greatest threat. And here's how you do it. I have come up with seven principles of resistance. Five of those principles are mine. Two of those principles, one each, actually came from my past crew members. And I'll share those with you. The first principle of resistance is to have a mindset that you will minimize all submission to an evil empire. You must decide in your mind and in your heart to do all you can to disable the cause of evil, to wear them down. And you must practice this daily because if you fail, Many of you just decide, oh, I can't do this. It's not for me. And you give up. Well, let me tell you, some of those trainees, those soldiers, those aviators in the POW training camp actually gave up, broke down crying, wanted to leave, wanted to quit, wanted to give up. But do you know, by the end of it, every last one walked out much more equipped to resist. Minimize submission every way you can. That is principle number one. The second principle of resistance is to find strength in numbers. You cannot exist as an island. You cannot stand alone in the field of an enemy and expect to survive. You must recruit a resistance army. There is strength in numbers. When you gather with the eagles, your likelihood of success in thwarting evil goes up substantially. When you decide that you will join hands with your fellow patriots, with your fellow Christians, and decide to be the kind of a person that God wants you to be in the land of the free, then all of a sudden your life counts. You must be a part of a resistance army. Have you joined the army yet? Principle number three is this. Challenge propagandists. Speak the truth at every opportunity. Expose fallacies and lies wherever it comes from, whatever it may be, no matter the source, no matter how prominent, how elite the source, challenge them question them, and expose their evil. You must challenge propagandists because the propaganda war is an extremely key principle that the enemy knows will break you down. If you refuse to be broken down by propaganda, you have just disarmed the enemy from one of its most powerful weapons. Another very simple principle that we often forget is principle number four, 
ask and you shall receive. During the Vietnam War, many prisoners of war came back and told us how they were thirsty or hungry and they simply asked for a favor. They asked for something for their comfort so that their chance of survival would be better. Remember that even among those who are considered the enemy, you are always, always dealing with a human being. When I think of my governor, Kate Brown, the governor of Oregon, who does everything to oppress us, I have to remember that she is still a human being. Do not underestimate the power of kindness, the power of love, and the power of simply asking one human to another for a favor, for a comfort, for something that might cause them to submit themselves, to yield to what is good and what is true and what is right. Remember what Jesus said, it is hard to kick against the goads. And that's what every rogue politician is doing. And they know it. That leads to principle number five in resistance. It says, always reach for the heart. When you reach for the heart, regardless of who you are speaking to, be it an enemy or a friend, that person will know your sincerity. That person will know that you are speaking with conviction and perhaps, hopefully, out of a regard even for your enemy. When Jesus told us to love our enemy, he was not speaking in military terms. He was speaking on a personal level. Your enemy is a person. And every interaction with the enemy, when it is one-on-one, -on -one, is an opportunity to actually reach the heart, to change the heart of a person. Don't think that it cannot be done. Principle number five, always reach for the heart. At this point in time, when I was thinking about principles of resistance, I decided to text my former co-pilot, who was a great pilot, by the way, and I asked him simply, what do you think would be a good principle from what you recall of your resistance training would be a really strong principle for resistance? And this co-pilot of mine from days gone by, Mr. Craig Kenyon, stated very clearly, healthy paranoia was a principle. Now, if you knew Craig Kenyon, you would probably expect this. And the first uh, thought of my mind came was that, what do you mean healthy paranoia? How could that be? But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know, that is a very good point, because healthy paranoia is much like a healthy jealousy in marriage. It can save the relationship. And if you have a healthy paranoia, then you are not likely to be gullible. And trust me, if you're being targeted, if you're being attacked, if you are confronting the enemy, 
it's always good to know what they're up to. And that does require a sense of a healthy paranoia. So I thank, I thank Craig Kenyon for that excellent point. I then spoke to my former boom operator who actually flew the refueling boom and the boom does have wings. The boom operator actually flies the boom and directs it into the receptacle of the receiving aircraft so that they may gas up at 30,000 feet. My friend Mark Westman was asked the same question. What is the most memorable principle of resistance that you recall? And he made a very, very excellent point. He said, be willing to suffer for a cause greater than yourself. Thank you, Mark Westman. I respect you for that. Thank you, Craig Kenyon. I respect you for healthy paranoia. Put the two together and you have two incredible principles for resistance. Principle number seven, be willing to suffer for a cause greater than yourself. Are you willing? These are seven principles that if you can remember them, and if you can actually force yourself to start living by them, you can make a difference in your world. Let's take three hypothetical resistance scenarios that are really not hypothetical. Take the unmasking resistance, for example. You remember how horrible it was. You went into a store and were told, excuse me, ma'am or sir, you either must put on a mask or leave the store. And so the story went for months upon months upon months. And don't think it won't be back, by the way. We are now officially done with the cold and flu season, but it will hit again in the fall. And don't think that you have heard the last of the masks, be it myth or not. When you go into a store and they're telling you to put on a mask and they have the great big signs out front of the door of the store, what do you do? Well, I must confess with joy that I have never donned a mask. I have walked into stores. I have been challenged and I have resisted. Even if you don't have the courage to stand up and to be escorted out of the store and to receive all the dirty looks, at least start by making it a little difficult for them. Don't walk into a store with the mask on. Make them work for it. Minimize submission. That's principle number one. Do all that you can to wear down the enemy. Imagine if every person walking into a store did not don a mask and had to be told by one employee or the other or by a supervisor that you must mask or leave. After the 10th, 50th, 100th time, do you think they'd get a little bit tired and possibly get the point? Now, I know what you're thinking. I have a daughter who actually presently works in, in uh, retail as she is pursuing 
her college degree. And I hear the stories of how difficult it is because she is being forced to ask people to wear the mask, or at least she was until that was recently rescinded. But she said it was very, very hard for her to, to endure the people who challenged her. It wore her out. As a consequence of that, she became more and more influential in her supervisors to say, hey, this is tiring. Why don't you deal with it? And when everybody does that, then, uh, then the trials go uphill and eventually things begin to change. When you minimize submission, you maximize resistance. And that is as it should be when you are fighting evil. Imagine the unmasking resistance. Look at what happens when we apply principle number two, find strength in numbers. Did you see the examples of groups of people that barged into a store, some 30, 40, 50 people, all unmasked? What was the enemy going to do? How could they fight the strength in numbers? They couldn't, they didn't, and a strong statement was made. Unmasking became easier and easier strictly because of the resistance and proportionally to the effort put into resisting. And now we have the issue of another hypothetical scenario that is, again, not hypothetical. The vaccine passports, the vaccine mandates. How do you resist? What are you going to do? Are you going to just submit as many have because, well, it's just not worth it. I want to go with the flow. No, I cannot do that. Learn the facts. I don't care how much a person is mocked or ridiculed. And believe me, I have been mocked and ridiculed for much regarding the mask and the vaccines. But learn the facts. Look at the real science, such as the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. Look at the harm that these so-called vaccines are causing and think again. Maybe it's time to resist the vaccine. The propagandists, that's principle number three, the propagandists need to be challenged. They are saying, look, join the club, you know, join the bandwagon. Everybody's getting their vaccine. The truth is no more than one third of the nation has likely received their vaccine and likely will receive the vaccine because the truth is now finally getting out there that the vaccine is not good. It is not safe. It is not protective. And it probably actually causes harm in a number of ways, and we shall soon find out. We must develop a vaccine passport resistance. Have you joined the club yet? Have you joined the army? Ultimately, what we have now in the United States of America is the Democrat Marxist regime that is truly actively trying to overthrow our constitution. They know what needs to be done to 
effect a coup and destroy America, and they are hell-bent on doing it. Are you actually enabling them? I hope not. We all need to be willing to fight this evil regime. And how do you do that? What issues do you fight? Well, take your pick and do what you can. Nobody can fight everything, but everybody can fight something. Pick your fights and then fight hard. Fight with everything you got. Speak the truth in love, but never, never compromise. What can you do? How can you oppose an evil regime? You can volunteer. There is such a thing as voter registration. Have you been instrumental in getting the conservatives out to vote? You can join your local school board and make a difference there. Call a spade a spade and say enough is enough. I stand for the innocent children who are being victimized by our rogue leaders of our government. Join a city council or at least attend city council meetings and raise your voice. Be prepared. Come with facts. Come with statements that expose the heresy of what is being taught to the unaware public. You might want to even join a movement or start one. Make some noise. Resist. Promote the vote. Promote the truth. Promote the Constitution of the United States. Please read it if you are not familiar with it. There's another avenue to where you can greatly resist, and that's using social media to spread the truth. Of course, you know you're handicapped in doing that because of the extreme censorship. Our First Amendment rights have been washed down the drain, but you can still resist. But when you're using social media, please do not be a glory seeker. Remember the words spoken in Mark 9, verse 35, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Don't rob yourself of that blessing. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. What matters in the resistance movement is that you resist. I do have my own personal resistance plan. And applying rule number seven, I believe I was very much willing to pay the price to defend my freedom, my fellow countrymen's freedom, as well as evidence-based medicine. When I spoke at that Stop the Steel rally in Salem, I knew that I was starting a war. I was starting a resistance movement against a very sinister and corrupt medical board in Oregon. I knew that I was opposing Governor Kate Brown, who was taking license with our constitution by perpetuating an emergency mandate that first of all, wasn't an emergency. And secondly, was simply an agenda to promote the evil regime. To this day, she does it. She might throw in a truth here or there, but she speaks falsely almost all the time. I decided it is time to resist. We must never 
pass up an opportunity to educate. And so educate I did on that day. When you know the truth, you have a responsibility to spread that truth. You must be willing to speak as every opportunity arises and write articles to advertise the truth. If you're willing to do these things, then you will be a part of the resistance movement. If you can directly challenge the rogue politicians on their own websites, which I do with Governor Kate Brown, with Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland, who has all but allowed Portland to be totally decimated, you can make a difference when you directly challenge them. But that takes courage. It takes a willingness to suffer for a cause greater than yourself. I also pray often. Believe me, I have my days when I awaken and feel weak and feel lonely and feel empty and feel like giving up. Don't think I, that any American patriot does not have those days we are humans. And so I pray often for boldness, for strength, for comfort, for peace, and for knowing where I'm really going when all is said and done. Yes, I am told to love my enemy on a personal level, but I am also told to fight like hell against the evil they perpetrate. And so I do. The important thing in my resistance plan is to unite all patriots and Christians, but always, always without compromise. If I can do that, I will at least have some degree of success. And so will my brothers and sisters who share that vision of resistance with me. Whatever opportunities come my way and your way, I will speak. I will act with the Bible as my guide. And in doing so, I cannot go wrong. I cannot err. And if I do make any errors, it will be an error in judgment, but not the more critical error of heart. What does the Bible actually say about resistance? Because there is our true standard. I keep pushing you to read the Bible because therein are the instructions that made America great and that made America the land of the free and the home of the brave. Well, James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's that word, resist. You as a Christian have an obligation to resist evil. And if you don't, you have joined the wrong party. You are resisting goodness and everything righteous. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21 through 22 says test all things. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. You see you must first know the truth to be able to test the truth and then to abstain from evil and that's a great problem among many good Americans, they simply do not have the energy or the will to determine what is actually true. And so they fumble and falter and compromise, and they do nothing. You must first know the truth. And that is always 
tested against the Bible standard. Abstaining from every form of evil will always make you a target, by the way, and therefore a warrior. Welcome aboard. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9 says, be sober, be vigilant. That's kind of like Craig Kenyon's principle of be in a healthy way, a little bit paranoid. Don't let them pull one over on you. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, be sober, be, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There it is. Resist him steadfast in the faith. That means stay true to the standard. Do not compromise. When you resist the likes of Obama, of Biden, of Fauci, and other rogue politicians and evil souls, you resist your adversary, the devil, who controls them. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, says that the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You cannot be silent and cast down arguments or pull down strongholds. You have to speak. You have to act. You can't make a difference while you're still living in fear. You must understand that being the resistance means I refuse to comply. I will not submit to tyranny. I will never surrender. I will follow God and I will follow my constitution and fight for it. Can you imagine the impact if every conservative truly resisted? What do you think America would be like? Well, I think it would be great. Above all, we need to resist complacency. I know it's hard, but you aren't really a patriot or a Christian if you are not resisting evil. What are you? It's a fact of life that the sheep and the goats will forever be present in the same pasture. It's sort of like the good crop mixed in with the weeds you can't have one without the other. It's just a fact of life under the sun in a fallen world. But life among goats is very trying in times of need. The goats cave, they compromise, they cower, they submit. Among all the captured POWs, those who survived were sheep, but the right kind of sheep. John 10, verse 27 says, and these are the words of Jesus, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Following the good shepherd gives you strength to endure and the will to fight the good fight. The wrong kind of sheep sees the lawlessness in cities like Portland and says nothing. The wrong kind of sheep are told that the COVID vaccine is safe and effective, and they believe it, and take the stupid vaccine. The wrong kind of sheep hear and see evil and do nothing, say nothing. 
the wrong kind of sheep are on their way to the slaughterhouse completely unawares. Well, the final word of my POW training, do you know that I escaped three times from that camp? I found myself also counseling others who were losing it, despite this being only a training scenario. But would I have tried to escape in a real war prison? I don't know. If you get caught after escaping, sometimes you're executed. I did learn that lessons in resistance against the enemy can be taught and learned if you're made of the right stuff. Choosing to be the right kind of sheep could just save your life and your country. And so I petition you today to rise up and to start resisting, start being the friction that is needed to save America. That's what we need at this time in our country. This is Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Remember, the brain is much like a muscle. The more you train it and use it, the stronger it becomes. If you have yet to put up any resistance against our Constitution haters, now is the time. Otherwise, effectively, you are in the enemy's camp. You are a part of the enemy's army. Resistance begins with just saying no to the illegal mask mandates, to forced vaccines, to open borders, to anti-gun rhetoric, and to attack on Christian values. It may actually cost you something, but only if you are blessed with the privilege. We are on a journey. Please do something while you still can. Live for God and live for freedom. Resist evil and your life will not have been lived in vain. See you next week. Adieu.